Luno, the fastest, easiest way to buy Bitcoin. If you're just getting into crypto, it's the perfect place to start. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Leia Hyopan Show. As always, it is powered by Icon Plus Capital, the VC firm, and it is sponsored by BlockFi. So if you head over to BlockFi, they actually offer some pretty amazing interest rates. I use them, I love them, and I'm super happy with them. So I've actually left um, a link for you either in the comments or in the description. So if you're on Twitter or YouTube, you can definitely find that somewhere. So joining me today um, is, it's going to be a little bit of an interesting conversation. Um, I think it might be slightly controversial, which is always fun. Um, joining me today is Udi Wertheimer, software developer, Bitcoiner and the founder of Have Fun Staying Poor. What's up, Udi? <laughs> hey, what's up? It's good to meet you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So just some background. I initially thought you were um, a toxic Bitcoin maxi, basically. Um, and so I tend to... Yeah. And so I tend to distance myself from that completely. So I was just like, I knew who you were, but I was like, I'm not getting involved. He's probably just going to be mean to me, to be honest. Um, But that's not the case. So before we delve into all of that, I do want to just get your history Um, because you're a bit of like an OG. You've been in this space a really long time. So talk to me about how when you first got into Bitcoin um, and how you first heard about it. Yeah. I never know, you know, I don't feel like an OG, right? I think that's what everyone okay. says, right? Because when you, whenever you hear about Bitcoin the first time, it always feels like you're late. I think it doesn't mm. matter when. Um, it was probably, I probably learned about Bitcoin for the first time around, I don't know, 2013 or 14. Wow. And um, <laughs> a while ago. That's early. It's amazing. I feel old. And I, fe- I felt really, I felt like I was super late <laughs> back really? then. Because, you know, you talk to people who have experience in Bitcoin and they were all, you know, at least three to four years in. And, and I was like, oh, I missed it. I missed the boat. <laughs> Probably the, you know, the, I don't know, the Bitcoin price back then must have been, I don't know, cents? around... No, no, I wish around a hundred bucks probably. Which oh, is, really? you know, okay. Still in 2013? Oh, 2013. Yeah. 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 Still a good, you know, <laughs> still a good opportunity, right? Um, and um, I was mainly attracted to it because, I mean, I, I'm a software developer by trade and mm-hmm. I was attracted to it from kind of the technology standpoint. I was always kind of, you know, back then I was really interested in quote unquote decentralized stuff like BitTorrent and, and, you know, the other file sharing stuff uh, was, you know, I just found it interesting software engineering wise, right? Mm-hmm. And, and Bitcoin kind of fit into that. And it took me a while to start seeing it as a, you know, as a financial thing, as an investment, as, you know, something that might, you know, really change the way our economies work. Um, took me quite a while to figure that out. So the tech but, came first for you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And these days, it's like the opposite. I, I find the, you know, I find the financial side of things much more interesting these days. But that's not what pulled me in the first place. So you're from Israel, but you're not based there anymore. So where are you? I'm not going to ask necessarily where you're based, but what's going on? <laughs> why, why did you Why did you leave? Yeah, I, um, you know, I love Israel and I love my town, Tel Aviv. But I, Israel became, at least to my taste, became mm. very restrictive around the COVID stuff and and you know like they 
banned most flights for a while and you couldn't get in. You could, I mean, you couldn't get out, but more surprisingly, even as a, an Israeli citizen, you couldn't get back into the country, which that's I find really insane. Different. Yeah, that's unique because yeah. most countries yeah. will let you back in. Yeah. So that, that was, that's, not, that's not long, no longer the case right now, but it, it was for a few months. And when that happened, uh, you know, I just had so many red lights flashing and I was like, you know what, this is not, this is not the place for me right now. And I'm lucky enough to be able to, you know, travel a bit and, and that's what I'm doing. So without getting too political, because we don't, we don't need to get into the whole Middle East drama, but um, are you surprised that Israel behaved in that way? Yeah. Yeah, I'm mostly, you know, the thing I'm most surprised by is not necessarily how, you know, the government chose to react or how the media chose to react because they have their own interests and I'm not surprised about their interests. But I'm, the thing that really surprised me was the way that, you know, just society around me reacted. Mm. And and I, I find that people are mostly criticizing the government for not being more restrictive. And when I see that, I'm like, okay, this is not the place for me because you know, if, if you feel you're so misaligned with the rest of the population, that's a problem, right? So I don't know how to fix it. So that's why I was, I'm not staying for now, you know? Yeah, I can relate because um, when I, I went in um, April, um, I, I wanted to spend some time there um, and I'm speaking to everyone and everyone's sort of saying to me, um, I'm so happy I got the shot. You know, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. And I'm just like, there's nobody I can align with here. <laughs> And it actually didn't surprise me um, because when you have a country which has conscription and people are born with the mentality that, you know, you have to give your life for the state, it made sense to me. I was like, hmm, mm. my, my yeah. whole perception has changed. That's a good point. Yeah. But might anyway, be, we won't talk too much about... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we won't talk too much about COVID, but no, I think it's pretty interesting. Um, so are you have you found a place where you want to go to or are you just um, digital nomading right now? Yeah, I'm mostly doing the nomad stuff right now and I'm I'm trying to figure out, you know, I'm old, I'm not going to travel around the world all my life. Yeah, but course. so, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to find a place eventually. And hey, you know, if if Israel comes back to, to its senses, that, that will make me very happy too. That's a, that would be a great option. But so far, it's not really happening. No, I hope, I hope it does, but, but we'll see. Anyway, let's go into um, Bitcoin maximalism. So, okay, you're not a Bitcoin maxi. What? I thought you were. Um, have, <laughs> so did you have a change of heart? Was that like a personal thing? Or were you never a Bitcoin maxi? Um, well, I mean, both are true in a way. So if, you know, whenever anyone asked me in the past, like, you know, years back, I always sat, said that I'm not a Bitcoin maximalist, right? I, that, that would always be my answer. And, and in practice, um, you know, I, I, I own a bunch of coins that are not Bitcoin over the um, years. It's not, it's not new. Uh, however, I did, you know, I would say that I thought and also hoped that Bitcoin would be, you know, the, the main, if not the only uh, thing going on, the cryptocurrency space eventually. And I no longer believe that. Um, so, so yeah, my opinion on that has changed. Although I think, you know, I think I always tried to not be 
so extreme as to you know as to call people scammers and whatever which is mm. something that some people seem to like doing i think i tried to mostly avoid doing that most of the time but um but but yeah i did think you know i thought that you know things like nfts for example i i i always thought that were ridiculous and will never catch on you know because that's one of the funny things you get to see those things as they begin way before they catch any mainstream adoption you know a lot of us who've been around for the last let's say two years we've been aware of the existence of nfts right but you know most of the people i know even in the crypto space kind of wrote them off and said that they seem silly and there's no way they'll catch on and then then they they did catch on right like they're, they're huge mainstream yeah. phenomenon now so you know when you think that things are not going to happen and then you see that they do happen you have to kind of adjust your perceptions and your opinions on things right you, you have to kind of think okay I thought that blockchains, that cryptocurrencies are not going to be successful because the things that they enable, like NFTs, like DeFi, like whatever, are things that, that people are not going to care about. And then you see that people do care about them. <laughs> so you have to, okay, so the information I have changed. I have new information now. Things that I thought people will not care about are actually things that people do care about. So you have to adjust your ideas about things. I'm, I'm happy to admit I was wrong about that. So, so yeah, I no longer think that, that, you know, that they're useless. It's very hard to say that they're useless and people are using them. Right. So, so yeah, mm -hmm. my opinion, that definitely changed. I think, yeah, I think, um, you know, being able to change your opinion based on new information, um, is always a great sign of intelligence. Um, but in your opinion, why do you think, um, it exists? Right. So like, it is so toxic. I had a bunch of people call me a scammer today. Um, I've never told anyone to buy anything other than Bitcoin because for me, Bitcoin is the best. Everything else is a gamble and, you know, it's all very exciting and I definitely hold some shit coins, but like I'd never tell anyone to buy the shit coin. Um, but, you know, like to right. call me a scammer, like I'm a good person, you know? So why is it so toxic? Do you think it really comes from a good moral place or is it more um, the need to fit in, right? Tribalism. So, um, look, there are a bunch of reasons and there are a lot of people and each of them have their own personal reasons. Um, you know, probably some of the more kind of violent people might really just have some issues to work through. But I think that bigger picture, um, I think there is a source to this that makes sense, um, especially if you... You know, if, again, if you've been around for a while, if you go back to, let's say, 2017, um, which mm -hmm. is, you know, which was the last kind of big Bing. bubble that we had in the space, um, most of the so-called shitcoins at the time really were kind of scams, you know, like yeah. almost all of them, really. Like you would have people talking about how you can, if you invest in this ICO, then you'll have flying cars on the blockchain or whatnot. Like, crazy things that don't even make sense as a sentence and it was you know it was a new one every single day and i think that people got very protective um as a response to that and a lot of people saw that as an attack on their friends right because what happened is some people who held some bitcoin or maybe some other coins you know over 2017 some of them got pretty rich 
And suddenly there's a lot of really scammers who were saying, okay, these people now have money, they're inexperienced with investments, let's try to extract as much money as we can, as quickly as we can. And people got, you know, kind of defensive and protective, and, and which is, I think, a fair response at the time. Uh, there were also um, the whole kind of SegWit 2x episode and Bitcoin's history around the same time, and um, the, the the hardcore Bitcoin community became very suspicious of people uh, during that. I think it, it was mm -hmm. potentially an existential threat for Bitcoin as we know it today, and and so. A lot of people, a lot of things happened back then in 2017 that created this very strong response, which I think was fitting at a time, more or less. Um, and now people have this sort of PTSD, right? Like they, they think that whenever there's another coin, it must be like a scam. It must be an attack. It must be. And, and it's, it's really not. I find that, you know, most of them honestly have nothing to do with Bitcoin. They're not competing with Bitcoin. They're not claiming to compete with Bitcoin. Most of them, I know that some do. Mm -hmm. But most of them don't seem to even try to use that narrative anymore. You know, there are a lot of coins that say that they're competing with Ethereum. And there are a lot of yeah. tokens that consider themselves like governance tokens that are similar to equities in one way or another. And, you know, very few of them still try to position themselves as a competition to Bitcoin. Because I think Bitcoin won the, the that, that, you know, place of being... Um, neutral store value i think that mm -hmm. i think the people kind of gave up on trying to replace bitcoin in that there are some that are still trying but mostly most of them i think are not even are not even attempting to do that so i don't see a reason for rivalry um other than you know it is of course you know there is a competition of, of where liquidity goes to right so yeah people could decide to either buy Bitcoin or buy a house, right? And you could say that a house is competition to Bitcoin in that sense, and it's probably true. But are we going to say that all, all houses are a scam? Probably not, hopefully not. <laughs> um, so, you know, if someone's building a, an NFT platform, I can't see how it's possibly a competition to Bitcoin. You know, it's, it's a completely unrelated thing. I mean, what blows my mind, um, and you see this a lot with Bitcoin maxis, is um, they don't so they don't care about NFTs because you can just screenshot it, right? So that, that's like the joke. Um, but but they, but they respect an NFT on Bitcoin, which you can also just screenshot. So you know, it, it, it's it's so ridiculous. Um, but yeah. what was your initial idea and vision for Bitcoin back in the day? Was it? Did you always know it was going to be? This is a store of value. This is digital gold. But no, it can't scale. Or did you think by this point it could scale? And so, like, how has your your idea of like Bitcoin's role in this world changed? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I definitely didn't get it <laughs> early on. Like in in the beginning, um, uh, I think probably in the beginning, I kind of saw it as a way to make payments in a way that people will not be able to stop. I think my um, I think my um, um viewpoint was at the time when i was in college i was fascinated by online poker um mm. and i wasn't much of a, i wasn't a very good player i wasn't you know i wasn't playing any big sums either i was you know marginally profitable i guess uh, but 
I, I was still fascinated by it. I was very interested in poker and I was very interested in that industry. Um, and I think, was it in 2011, I believe that, you know, the online poker industry had this big event where the FBI kind of um, confiscated the funds of a few of the biggest uh, poker sites. And that was when a lot of players realized that the money that they had wasn't theirs. You know, they it was deposited at some other company. In some cases, it didn't even exist. You know, it was literally they didn't, you know, they were insolvent and didn't have the funds themselves. And in other cases, they the money did exist, but they, you know, couldn't give it back because it was confiscated. Um, and that was my first, um, the first time I stumbled upon that concept, yeah. you know, of, of digital money isn't really yours, you know? Yeah. So it was easy for, easier for me to understand Bitcoin out of that standpoint, I guess, um, because I kind of experienced it. So, so that's, I think, the first thing I view it, viewed it as, not really as a store of value, but as, as, as a, just as a way to send money around without people telling me that I'm not allowed to. And over time, you know, a lot of people talked about the way to use it for you know, you could use blockchain for cool stuff. And in the beginning, I thought it was cool. And later I thought it was dumb. And maybe now I think it's interesting. And so, yeah, my opinion of that changed often. But I think the one thing I remember about Bitcoin from early on, uh, people talked about that a lot when Ethereum had its ICO. Mm-hmm. And so people used to say, look, Bitcoin is intentionally being developed very slowly in a way that is very safe. We don't want to create any issues. The first priority is stability. And I was very attracted to that idea. And people also said, look, if other coins try things um, like smart contracts, like privacy, like whatever it is, and those things make sense, then eventually after they figure it out, we can bring it over to Bitcoin. Yeah. And and I think that's great. That seems to now be kind of frowned upon these days, at least by the louder Twitter community. Um, because you know, the way I look at it, if if we want Bitcoin to maybe adopt the good parts, <clears throat> then we have to look at it. We have to accept that those things exist and learn from it at the very least. Um, and people seem to think that even that activity is a scam, right? Like if, if, you, if you're going to use Ethereum a little bit just to learn about how it works, then you're probably a scammer. So we came a long way from that early conception that people have to where people are now. And and I do want to say, though, I don't think it's all Bitcoiners. I think most Bitcoiners, you know, and I consider Bitcoiner a person who owns Bitcoin. Uh, yeah. As, as far as I know, you are a Bitcoiner, Leia, and, and, and most, you know, most people <laughs> that talk about it are Bitcoiners. Um, and so, so I think most Bitcoiners, they don't, you know, they don't think that everything is a scam. And a lot of them are, you know, they're, they're builders and entrepreneurs and they believe in innovation and they believe in experimentation and they, they don't have any problem with, with people trying things out. But yeah, there seems to be a loud small sect of people who really oppose any any type of experimentation whatsoever and i can't really agree with that myself 
I think it's a shame because it kind of creates such division within the community. It's like the biggest place where you find division, in my opinion. I think that Bitcoin maximalism is the most toxic out of them all because um, it comes with like a superior complex um, as well. So, and, and it does upset, it does it does bother me because like I take my entire salary in Bitcoin. Like I, 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 I like take my whole salary in Bitcoin. I don't know if other toxic Bitcoiners are doing that. They probably haven't even given yeah. up their career for it. Like I am right. full in. I am in like I'm I'm in my 20s and I'm already gambling my whole career on Bitcoin because I understand right. that I'm not I'm not looking for Ethereum to succeed. I'm not looking for Solana, BNB or or any of those you know things to succeed. Like my career really depends on Bitcoin success. And so does my right. bank balance at this point because I take my entire salary in Bitcoin. <laughs> so I find that so it, it's it's it, it's not nice, you know, it, it's like, how are we supposed to create a better community and have conversation, you know, because we're all about freedom of speech and somewhat libertarian here. Um, you know, and how are we supposed to get together and have a great community if like, there's just like so much hate. Um, and, and it is hate because it's, it's not fun. Like, it, I don't think it's fun. I think I think it's, it's, it's toxic. Um, so what do you think this does for the community? Right. So, you know, I, I, um, and people say that often that that maybe the Bitcoin community is really like the most toxic. And I think really what it is is it's the loudest. You know, I'm not mm -hmm. sure it's the most toxic. I think it's it's the loudest. And and a lot, you know, I I I don't want to name names, but I've seen other crypto communities. Is it the XRP? Is it the XRP <laughs> community? They're, they're, they're pretty they're pretty tough. I've got them, I've got a lot blocked. Don't worry. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, I think, I think some are definitely worse, right. But is that the best we can do? Not being the worst. I, I, I mm. hope we can do better than that. And, 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 and I do think that they're definitely the loudest and that's because I, you know, Bitcoin is a great thing and it's obviously a lot more important than Ripple is. So obviously Bitcoin supporters are going to get a lot more attention than Ripple supporters. And, and, I think that probably the only thing we can do is as Bitcoiners is present an alternative to that, you know, to, to just show, okay, Bitcoiners do not necessarily have to be like that. There are other mm -hmm. Bitcoiners who are not like that. And that used to be the case. I think that, you know, as, as time goes by, a lot of, uh, a lot of the kind of more true OGs kind of slowly retire and disappear and you just don't hear their voice anymore, but they're very much not like, the current crop of kind of the torch bearers on Twitter, at least. Um, many of them are completely new, by the way. Now, many of them joined this year. Mm, right? I know. And own a tiny amount of Bitcoin, probably. So, which and is some fine, of them, right? and some of them were shilling other coins um, about eighteen to twenty-four months ago. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, that exists <laughs> too for sure. Yeah, a lot of it. And and, and look. I'm fine with, of course, I'm going to be fine with people changing their opinions because I change of opinions often. But um, so I, I'm okay with that. But it's it's it, it does you know it, it is funny, right? That that you would change your opinion and then call everyone else who had the same opinion you had a, a year ago a scammer, right? Mm. And just like an evil um, person as well, not just yeah, a scammer, but yeah. like an evil, you know, really evil, must be stopped, <laughs> you know, must be blacklisted yeah. and destroyed. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the, the easiest, you know, the easiest thing to say is just that Bitcoin, I think I, I'm a strong believer in Bitcoin's future success. And, you mm. know, I stake my financial future on it, too. 
I'm a very strong believer in that. And, and I don't think that even, you know, even if you think there are a few scammers in the world, I don't think that they're going to be able to stop Bitcoin. I don't think they're going to, you know, so like, why, why are you guys really doing this? Because people are telling themselves that they're doing it to protect and defend Bitcoin, but that's kind of absurd. Like <laughs> Bitcoin is stronger than you guys. <laughs> it doesn't need your help in shouting and yelling at people on Twitter. So yeah, it's, it's, I, I do think, you know, I, I feel like the narrative is shifting and I feel like uh, these people already don't have the same, uh, you know, the same voice that they used to have. I think it's already kind of shifting. That's probably a good thing. You're not going to change people, you know, like you're not going to change all of them. They're not going to change their minds. Um, that, that usually doesn't happen. Uh, but you can change the way that uh, Bitcoin is perceived by other people instead of saying, okay, this group represents Bitcoin, which is kind of what's going on right now. Hopefully over time, people will say, okay, those are not, you know, those are not Bitcoiners. Those are just cultists, but there are a lot of other people who are Bitcoiners. So speaking of toxicity, you came up with have fun staying poor. <laughs> that's yeah. wild so like let's go back what year was that and how did that come up um it must have been last year it was last year uh, i believe it was really just before the the rally really kicked off mm -hmm. um <clears throat> the way it came about i mean you know people say i came up with it i don't you don't come up with memes. Memes are discovered, right? I, I kind of, I think one of the, probably the chain link community, if I remember correctly at the time, they used to mm. just tell people to stay poor, I believe. You know, like someone okay. would have said something about chain link and then they would say, ah, stay poor. Yeah. So I, I just changed it a little bit. <laughs> That's all I did. Um, Interesting. But yeah, I think, you know, definitely a lot of people tell me that, you know, like, oh, you say that toxicity is bad, but you popularize, have fun staying poor. How can you, how can you say that yeah. toxicity is bad if you're telling people to have fun staying poor? So yeah, it's, I get that. I think it's, um, you know, I think it's a funny joke and it's, uh, it is. the nice thing I like about have fun staying poor is that it, at least at the time, it used to really catch people off guard, like the, the most common response I got in the beginning when I started saying it was people were like, just telling me, Hey, I'm not poor. I have like $5 million. Yeah. <laughs> like they, they would tell you, they will show you your bank statement to, to prove that they're, that they're not poor. And so, so when that happened, I realized that, okay, this is something that really causes people to pause, you know, and think, um, I think it served its purpose though. <laughs> I think it's great. Have you tried saying have fun staying poor to somebody outside the community? It doesn't go well. Oh, it's yeah. very dangerous. Oh yeah. I I yeah, I said it in real life a few times. <laughs> <laughs> to who? It, oh, a bunch of a bunch of people. It was always in a discussion about Bitcoin, right? Like when you know, you explain Bitcoin to someone and and the way I kind of use it is you you know, someone kind of asks you about Bitcoin and at some point in the conversation you realize they didn't ask because they they're interested in it. They asked because they, they think it's stupid and they want to make fun of you, you know? 
so when you realize that you're like okay this conversation is first of all it's a waste of time and and, and second like this this person doesn't really care about my well-being so i might as well say something like have fun staying poor and when you say that it, it you know it catches people off guard so so they do sometimes it it did actually happen to me a couple of times that i said that to someone and they ended up being convinced because you know just kind of oh wow you didn't <laughs> really it, you know because yeah. yeah because they they just didn't expect this and then they were like okay i need to to look into this because <laughs> maybe it's because he was poor and he didn't want to have fun staying poor maybe that's that's what happened yeah maybe. um but <laughs> maybe but so in so in terms of all the other innovation that's going on in the space right now um i'd love to understand what are you most interested by i know you sort of think nfts are rubbish that that's totally fine <laughs> i can understand where you come from um but yeah what, what innovation are you really excited about i mean I, I no longer even think that nfts are rubbish i don't i just don't personally see the value in them i can't you know i can't go to an nft marketplace and say okay this thing looks valuable and this other thing does not i don't doesn't really speak to me but i'm i don't know i i'm fine with other people liking them um i think that um i mean first of all bitcoin still very interesting but i think that if, if if you're looking for other stuff i think that uh Lately, I'm being I'm pretty interested in gaming, uh, so-called crypto gaming. I'm not saying that it's necessarily an opportunity. I don't know, but I've definitely been looking into it quite a lot. I think that um, the interesting thing there, I think, is that the gaming industry or the video game industry is already dealing with incentivizing players in various ways to do things. The video game industry changed a lot in the recent, in, let's say in the last 10 years. Um, you know, when I was younger, video games were like very simple. You go to a store, you buy a video game for 50 bucks or whatever. You go home, you play that for 10 hours, 20 hours, whatever. Maybe you then play it again, but that's it. That's the game. And these days they're trying to create those you know, the, the, they see them almost as social networks where people are supposed to, or at least young people are supposed to, to, to spend a huge amount of their time each and every single day. And that's where they meet their friends and that's how they hang out. Um, now, to, to achieve that, they, they already use a whole bunch of incentivization schemes. Um, and I think that it will be an interesting experiment to just say, okay, you know what, let's remove all of those fake restrictions put in by regulatory environments and put in by, uh, you know, the video game console makers or whatever. And let's just, let's just let it be a completely free market and see what happens. And mm -hmm. I think that is at least an interesting experiment. I don't know if, you know, like you can make a point that maybe the video games from my time when I was younger were better <laughs> and, and that, it was it was better without all of those weird incentive schemes, but that's really just old people yelling at clouds. Like that's what can you do? This is that seems to be what kids love today. So, so I do think that that's a very interesting area to explore. Um, and I used to, you know, in the past, I used to say that another interesting area is competitors to Ethereum. But mm. at this point it's 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 really no longer a cool thing to say because everyone's saying that now so yeah yeah, yeah. 
So what what are your thoughts then on Ethereum? Like, are, are you bullish on it, just given the entire internet is being built on it right now? The entire internet is being built on Ethereum? Well, Web3, you know, the entire potential oh, yeah. future. So, yeah, I, I, I think... Um, so my uh, kind of hypothesis around Ethereum in the last couple of years was, you know, it had two parts. One part was, I don't think anyone is going to be interested in smart contracts at all. I don't think they're going to want NFTs anyway. I don't think they're going to want DeFi anyway. I don't think they're going to want Web3 anyway. That part of the hypothesis was wrong, correct. <laughs> proven incorrect. Yeah. The other side was that I believe that even if people do see interest in that, um, I do not see why they would choose Ethereum which is slow, which is expensive, and using it, especially in the last year following the IP 1559, mm -hmm. uh, using it basically means that the users are paying Ethereum holders to use it. And my because mm -hmm. because because when 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 someone creates a transaction, they burn uh, some ETH, which means that the ETH held by ETH holders is going to increase in value. Yeah. So, so, so my hypothesis, the, the second part of it was that why would people, you know, why would people want to pay Ethereum holders for using, you know, NFTs and DeFi? Like why? Okay. And, and I think, you know, I th obviously that part is kind of playing out, right? Like the reason that people are moving to things like, you know, Solana and BSC and Avalanche and so many other networks is because they don't have to pay crazy fees to mm. old holders, basically, because they don't see the value in that. Like if you, you know, if you're going to sell, like if someone's going to join the crypto space today, and you, you'll tell them you can use some apps on, on Solana or you can use the exact same apps on Ethereum and pay a hundred times more, but you should use Ethereum because it's decentralized Ethereum. and secure. They're like, they're gonna, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, what? I don't care if it's decentralized and secure if I can't even afford using it. Like, it's not even an option. I don't, they won't even consider it. Convenience always comes first with the public. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think Hence it's okay. I, think, right I don't now. think it's a bad thing. I don't, yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I, I, I get what you're saying, but I don't think it's, uh, you know, I don't think it's a bad thing because I think it, it um, informs us on what matters. Because if you don't look at what people choose, then in your mind, you can believe that people will choose whatever you happen to personally like, right? And through looking at what people actually choose, you you realize what really matters. Um, and it seems like people value, you know, yes, user experience. So yeah, user experience, but also accessibility. You mm. know, because Ethereum is simply inaccessible for people who don't have. You know, if you don't honestly, if you if you don't have millions of dollars in, in crypto, then then Ethereum is probably not for you because the fees are going to be eating up your entire stake pretty soon. So, really, if you're going to spend a hundred dollars per transactions or more, then you'd better have a very fat stack, right? Mm -hmm. So, for most people, it's just not not accessible at all. 
and and I think you know I think that kind of informs us that people you know because before that I all I can do is guess what yeah. people are going to do but when when people inform you that they prefer they do not value decentralization that much that they're going to pay a hundred bucks for the transaction then I think it's important to pay attention. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even then, hopefully, um, you know, ETH 2.0, I'm not going to mention uh, that, but, you know, we'll see. <laughs> I, won't get, I won't get into that. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, but you must be interested in the metaverse, right? Like, given you're interested yeah. in gaming, given you're interested, you know, you're a software developer. So, um, yeah, are you, are you interested in the metaverse? Or how do you see it playing a role in our future? Yeah. Um... Yeah, I'm definitely interested. I'm kind of fascinated by it. Like, it's a That's buzzword, cool. but I'm still fascinated yeah. by it. Like, I, I'm, I've been a VR nerd, like a virtual reality nerd, for quite a while. In 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 twenty, yeah, in 2019, when COVID started, I actually threw weekly Bitcoin meetups in virtual reality. What people today would nice. describe as in the metaverse. <laughs> so we what have, platforms you know, were you using? Um, they're not very well known probably to crypto people. There was, there's old space VR, which is a platform made by Microsoft actually. And there's a VR chat, which is another non-crypto popular kind of VR platform. And, um, you know, they're, they're fairly popular. They, there would be, you know, I don't know, like up to a hundred people showing up every week, which considering the equipment that they had to have to join is impressive and and what i found was especially at the time since no one could meet anyone was really the beginning of covid and everyone was stuck at home um what i found was that people really feel like it's a close approximation of being around real people in in, in real life um so even though you know it's very clunky and and the graphics mm. are very basic and whatever, but but it feels the same. Even if you know it's clear, it's not it's not fooling you. You 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 you've, you're fully aware that, that you're wearing a clunky device, and so it will, looks like a cartoon. But um, still, it's it's it, it's the same sensation of being around people. It's very different than having a Zoom call. So I'm long term pretty bullish on that. I think that it probably will be a big thing, um, but it's gonna take so much time. Like the things that people are talking about are so, so far away, um, probably decades away. What's its role though? Yeah, but like what, what's its role though? So, you know, is it going to be simply um, meetups given these lockdowns are going on forever? Um, <laughs> so, you know, is it gonna be meetups? Is it gonna be really just like an entire, immersive experience where we just clock out of the real world have you seen black mirror yeah yeah is it like black mirror <laughs> dystopian yeah i mean that's definitely one version of the possible future right um yeah i i don't know what it's going to look like i think that probably what makes the most sense to me is that things are going to start from the gaming uh angle and will probably appeal more to, to young people. And mm -hmm. again, like, you know, young, you know, kids today, that's how they meet other people anyway, like in computer games and video games. Um, they don't, you know, they don't go out to play as often as people, as kids used to. 
and they will meet you know they'll it's very common these days that kids will have friends from around the world because that's that's the playground where they meet other kids these days so that will probably be where it starts like kind of games that just tend to take more and more of your time instead of mm you playing a game and then you go on discord and then you go on twitter and then you go on these other apps you'll just spend more and more time inside those games and a lot of your social activity will be there and probably old people like me will not do that ever but but i guess that that's that's probably what kids are going to do so that's yeah, probably where it's going to start i can understand why do you remember when you were younger and you had some parents some of your friends parents were really fussy about, you know, don't have them on the TV too long or no, they can't watch that movie. And, you know, I remember when I was younger, if I had a friend come over and stay and we were going to watch a scary film, my parents would have to call her parents to see if it was okay. <laughs> and like when you're yeah. younger, you're just like, these parents are losers, you know, like this is awful. I see myself as that parent. Like I am going to, yeah. sorry, we are limiting how much time my child is spending in the metaverse. I'm going to be that parent. <laughs> you probably are. Yeah, but you know, it's it's that's just that's just the way it is. Their parents were like that too, and and yeah, that's just the way it is. I think I don't think we can stop it, and I also I also don't necessarily think we should because I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. The, the, there are questions around control, um, around power structures, and those things that you know, obviously, as many you know, everyone's trying to kind of land grab right now. And, mm -hmm. and and everyone's kind of preparing for this future and trying to be in position to control everyone when that happens and that's yeah. definitely something to to be weary of yeah i mean speaking of like different types of metaverse you obviously have the winklevoss which are trying to build something decentralized mark zuckerberg at it again with his centralization um you've got jack um but today something so funny happened so Oh, this was just brilliant. Like I just, I couldn't, I was just dying over this. So basically, um, you know, Jack has been totally shitting on web three, right? Yeah. And then Tyler Winklevoss calls him out and he's like, didn't you sell an NFT for about, was it $2 billion? <laughs> yeah, probably 2 million, right? Yeah. But sorry, yeah, 2 million, that's, sorry. That's a, yeah. that's a lot, that's a lot for an NFT, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that yeah. just blows my point. mind. It's a good point. Um, I think, you know, I think, um, and I think that his, uh, his, uh, tweets, you know, he seems to have been somewhat supportive of NFTs for a while, you know, he's, he's had some semi-positive comments about them in, in various places. So I think it's possible, you know, maybe, maybe views NFTs as something that's interesting and maybe some of the other things that people call Web3 he views as different. I think there is this um, there is this narrative that 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 so-called Web three people, maybe crypto people, whatever, are kind of pushing that says that in Web three uh, the users are going to own those apps and those websites mm, and your data and, and everything. And, yeah, and I think that what Jack Dorsey is kind of saying is that you know, it's not really different than the way companies work today, right? Like you, if if you're using a Web3 app, you're going to buy maybe the token and you own a share maybe of that protocol. 
similarly, you can go and buy, you know, Twitter shares right now and Facebook shares and you own a part of Twitter and Facebook, you could potentially vote on things if you own a substantial amount of shares. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think what he's kind of saying is, look, this whole thing where people think that VCs control Web2 companies is not going to be any different with Web3. Just like they can buy up the shares, they can also buy up the, the tokens and it's going to end up the same. I think that's kind of what he's saying. And I think it's a good point. I think it's something to consider. Be aware if, of. If, if, yeah, yeah. Because at the end of the day, if someone has access to capital, then they're probably, you know, they're probably going to use it. <laughs> so, and it's not going to be different. They don't care if it's a share or a stock or a token or whatever it is. They're, they're going to treat it the same way. So the idea that someone owns, let's say, I don't know, they own some DeFi protocol because they own the tokens, but they don't own Twitter if they own the stock is odd to me. Like I, I view both as similar at best case. Mm-hmm. I also wanted to ask you how you're doing because you had a mass unfollowing recently. <laughs> Did I? Did I have Twitter CEO unfollowing me or what? You had a mass unfollowing. Everyone was like, I'd like to announce I'm going to be unfollowing Udi. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's a friend, however. <laughs> I cannot support his rhetoric anymore. Yeah. How are you doing? That was that, that was very difficult. I mean, my, <laughs> I, I don't, you know, I don't, people keep saying that I, you know, that, I, that I'm saying the things I'm saying for the follower count or whatever. I, I really don't. I, but to be clear, my follower count did, grow substantially that day (laughs) so so i mean yeah i lost a lot of followers but i i gained more it's not the point i will you know to be honest kind of my point in speaking out part of it was to get rid of some of the biggest offenders because you know what happens is when you you get a certain type of audience on Twitter and, and, and you end up in a position where you can no longer say what you want to say because, yes. because once, once you do, they will attack you. So my kind of thinking was, you know what, I'm just going to stop censoring myself. I'm going to be very explicit in saying exactly what I believe. And that will, pull get you know that will get all of those people to show themselves and then i can quickly block all of them <laughs> and then i can actually have a good experience on twitter which is which is what's going happening now i mean I, twitter has been a much more enjoyable experience for me in the last six months since i started speaking up against this yeah you make an interesting point i think that's outside of our space that's even something that celebrities for example have trouble with because they become famous from a certain thing and then obviously they have let's just say like a lot of usually in the music industry it attracts a lot of left-wing people whether it's women it's feminism and, and things like that and so they are literally trapped by their own audience um and mm. they will eat you alive um they, they really will so I also do a similar thing as well like I I, I don't like to talk too much about Bitcoin I do like because I don't want people to, I don't want to be trapped I don't want people to be like what I thought she was only this. It's like, no, I'm, I think Bitcoin's the best, but you know, I'm interested in, in what else is happening. Um, so yeah, that's, that's smart. You don't want to be trapped by your audience. No, you don't, no. And 
you know, I think, I think, you know, I think a lot of these people have really the best intentions, but uh, they, they really kind of got lost this year. And I mean, really, if you, if you look at, just look at it in the perspective of anyone new to Bitcoin this year, right? I think at this point, really almost anyone who is buying Bitcoin now, if they're not an institution, if they're just a retail retail investor, Bitcoin is probably not their first crypto investment. Mm-hmm. Probably not. They're probably buying something else that someone told them about. And, and I don't want to lose those people. I don't want to call them scammers. I don't want to distance them from Bitcoin. I want them to, you know, do their thing and, 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 you know, do what's right for them. But also I think, you know, if they make, you know, if they made some investments or if they did some trading and they made profit, uh, then I think they should take some of that profit and store it for the long-term in Bitcoin. I think that should be our approach and not just say, oh, you're scammers and you're stupid and you're going to lose all of your money and, and you're destroying lives. It's like, no, this is not, this is not going to help us. It's really not about being nice. I don't, you know, honestly, I don't consider myself a particularly nice person online. Really. I'm, I'm still kind of rude sometimes, but it's not strictly about being nice. It's more about, to me, it's more about understanding the motivations of the people you're talking to. Um, mm. You you can't yell at people for not caring about uh, inflation right now, for example. Like people are so mad. Like, oh, you bought Dogecoin. Don't you understand that it's it has infinite inflation monetary system, and you don't understand Bitcoin at all. You're so stupid. You're so dumb. And it's like, bro, they just don't care. <laughs> yeah, it's not. You know, they just care about other things. And you have to understand where people are coming from if you hope. If you have any hope of meeting them, right? You have to understand where they're coming from. Yeah. I mean, even Clubhouse was like a really interesting experience. I don't know if you spent any time on there, um, but that was wild because those are predominantly either NFT rooms or Bitcoin rooms. There wasn't really much in between. <laughs> um, and so, you know, there were people coming into those rooms like with no idea they went in blind and when i'm sitting in those rooms i was just like oh my god like no that's not what you're supposed to say (laughs) some people are walking into those rooms like hey guys like i really love everything you're talking about can i just like ask you you know like do you think ethereum could overtake bitcoin i'm like entered the wrong room (laughs) like no good did you spend time on there um i have but i stopped um yeah yeah i i I share your view yeah it was something like that there's a very famous uh clubhouse room that i started the the title was uh it was something like the ethereum death party uh, because the price Mm -hmm. of ethereum was was breaking down and i was like i titled it as a joke because you know you you make a provide you know it works right you make a provocative title you know everyone's gonna click it in the room itself i at least was trying to say that there are some interesting things in Ethereum too, even though I'm not bullish on it. But <laughs> but that room is is world famous because people took a screenshot of it, and it's me and a bunch of other Bitcoin maximalists. It was like, okay, this is this is what Bitcoin maximalists are about. They're talking mm. about how Ethereum is dying. But um, but yeah, I, I agree with your experience. That's mostly it seems to have been that, like just people yelling at 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 other newcomers would disagree with them i'm not sure that's the best approach no i I agree with you i don't don't think it is um so what do you 
doing right now? Like, what are you working on? Is there anything interesting happening you can share with us? Man, how do you, I don't know, how do you explain what you're doing to people who are not like, mm. I always, it's hard, right? It's, I wait just so, wait on that point though no just actually seriously on that point when I was getting an Airbnb I had to message the host and I was like is there a big space because like I work from home oh what do, what do, what do you need yeah I film <laughs> from home it, it's not good it's not good so I tend not to say much but sorry go on yeah 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 so I'm I'm the same I tend not to say much I usually when you know when someone asks I'm just like oh I'm a software developer and try to change the subject um Right now, honestly, what I'm doing is I'm learning and and um, I, you know, I don't have anything special to share. I'm, I'm definitely spending a lot of time learning because I think the things are changing very fast now. They always did, but it seems like they're changing much faster now. So I'm mostly absorbing right now. Can we expect like Udi, like I know obviously you have Udiverse, but like, can we expect the real Udiverse? Like an immersive experience i mean you know it's up to the community right <laughs> that's when you always that's what you were supposed to say in crypto i don't i don't i don't start anything maybe the community will will do something it's it's really not up to me all right well i want to see this so guys go follow udi bug him um, and ask him to create the Udiverse, the real Udiverse, so that we can uh have a very interesting time in the metaverse because uh, i'm in, intrigued to see how it goes <laughs> um yeah but Udi I want to thank you so much for coming on um I've wanted to speak to you for a while it's great to know that you're not a toxic bitcoin maxi and we can have a good discussion <laughs> so yeah I really appreciate you coming on there are photos of me with wearing a shirt that says toxic bitcoin maximalist and my haters like I've to seen like show that oh he is he is a bitcoin maximalist but yeah yeah it, it's been great thank you for inviting me this was fun yeah, absolutely. And we'll definitely have to catch up soon. Guys, thank you so much for watching. Thank you um, for all the sponsors and we will see you next week. Bye bye.